This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's up, podcast party people? Hello. Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, Shane Told, as I take you through yet another episode of myself talking to another lead singer about what it's like being a lead singer in the studio, on the road, and everything else that goes along with the job. Today on the show, Mr. Ben Barlow of Neck Deep. Um, You've probably seen the shirts. The uh, fuck neck deep shirts or neck deep generic pop punk, you know, they really have this self-deprecating thing, which I don't know how much I like it because I actually really like the band. I think the band is awesome. I don't think they're generic at all. Uh, So we talk a little bit about that. We talk about this crazy amount of hype that they had, you know, being this new signing to Hopeless Records, how that felt. Um, We talk about a whole bunch of things. We talk about football. We talk about... Just the whole idea of being a lead singer and the persona you're supposed to have. So this is a really, really interesting podcast. And I really love how you can have a conversation with somebody that's you know closer to my age. I'm in my mid-30s. Or you can talk to somebody in their early 20s. And a lot of the same things are going through our heads in different generations and different walks of life and different musical situations. So I really enjoyed this conversation. And I know you will too. Before we jump in, as always... I love for you guys to get in touch with me. If you've got a Snapchat, hit me up on there. I'm pretty active on Snapchat lately. I know it's like really stupid and lame, but man, I think it's just so much fun. And you can post stupid shit and it's gone in 24 hours. Like, who cares? So add me on Snapchat. It's real Shane told. Also for the show, we have a Twitter account, which is great to get at me. Just boom, 140 characters. Let me know what you think of the show. If you've got suggestions for future guests, whatever it is, that is at lead singer sin, S-Y-N. We got an Instagram account at lead singer syndrome. And of course, if you want old-fashioned email, it's leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. And if you're one of the diehard Lead Singer Syndrome listeners, you're probably pissed at me because it's like 11 o'clock in the morning on Monday and I still haven't put the episode out yet. I hear from you guys, man. I've actually had a couple people hit me up on Twitter and be like, "Um, Shane, you know it's Monday. Um, you didn't forget, did you? <laughs> no, I never forget the day of the week. And I do, I do take this show seriously and I try to get the episode out whenever I can. But, you know, I do live a busy life with Silverstein. I just got back from China, Japan and Macau. I had so much fun, but man, I am so jet lagged. I feel like I've been jet lagged for like two months. So thanks for your patience. If you're one of those people that listens to the show, like immediately when it gets put up, You guys are awesome. You are what keeps the wheels moving on this thing. And I have some news for you guys specifically. We are going to launch a VIP, whatever, fan club, whatever you want to call it. We're still working on a name. If you've got a good name, let me know. I think I got a good one, but I don't want to spill the beans just yet. And not to worry, this podcast will always be free to listen to. But there are a bunch of diehards, and we want to service you guys. So we want to give you more. So for a low cost, you'll be able to join this program, which we're working on right now. And we're also going to have merchandise. We're going to have all this stuff. And it really is cool because I never knew the potential of this show. I just thought, hey, it's a cool idea. It's a lot of fun. And I've been enjoying it so much. So stay tuned for that. The Lead Singer Syndrome Fan Club, for lack of a better word at this point. 
For now, if you want to support the show, if you buy anything online, I know I say this every week, but it really does help keep the lights on around here. If you use Amazon, if you buy anything off Amazon at all, just use our affiliate link. It is leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. It'll take you right to the Amazon homepage. You log in as normal. You won't even know anything's different. But everything you buy, we'll get 4 to 6%, and it costs you absolutely nothing. So I know you guys hear this, and then you probably, oh, shit, I'm on Amazon. I, don't forget, because it really, really does, does make a difference. I mean, you buy something for 100 200 bucks, that really is like the server cost for a week or whatever, and, and it really, really does help us. All right, no more babbling. Let's get to the episode with my new friend, Ben Barlow of Neck Deep. Hi Shane. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Good. Yeah, I got um, I got Ben here. Nice. Um, I'll put you on to him and you can get started. He's he's still kind of waking up a bit, so. Oh yeah. Oh, I'll uh, throw some water on him, dude. He'll be okay. Yeah, I'll put him. I'll put him on right now. I think it's sure. ironic. It's lead lead singer syndrome. <laughs> oh, I, I know. I I love shit. Yeah. This kind of shit, man. I'll, thanks, thanks, I'll Ian. Put him, no worries, man. I'll put him on. Sure. Hello. Hey, dude. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, how are you? Still waking up? Uh, yeah, well, I've been up since, like, like 6 Yeah, I woke up to watch a football game, so I decided to, like, go back to sleep for an hour, so. Was it, uh, was it Man United? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I you saw, know. yeah, no, I've seen pictures of you wearing, uh, wearing the kit, the so. Shirt. Yeah, man, yeah. that's the thing, out here i got to wake up super fucking early to catch the game, so I haven't, I haven't been as lazy as New he's making it out. <laughs> are you able to watch, like... You guys have it on like on your bus, or do you just stream uh, yeah, it? Yeah, we're in a bandwagon, so we have like the cable. They have um, it's all on NBCSN now. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, like all the Premier League games pretty much are on there, so that's pretty sick. Well, yeah, I mean, also, I guess you're lucky that you support a team that's very popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like around the world, United are just like that's kind of their thing. Is that like around the world they are the they're the team, so. How um how did you I mean because you're from Wales right yeah so how did you become a supporter of a team that's you know way up there um well it's it's like our nearest big city like either there or Liverpool oh, everyone yeah. from where I'm from is either a Liverpool or a United fan uh, with like a few other teams scattered around there because like we're about ten minutes of away from the border of England mm. so like there's like a big there's a big rivalry almost type thing with 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 the England Wales thing, but uh, yeah, everybody sports English teams just because yeah, our hometown team like suck. So <laughs> that's the truth. Much. Yeah, no, yeah, I I, yeah. Uh, I always think it's like weird. Yeah, our our tour manager's from I guess he's from Cornwall originally, and okay. he lives in Brighton now, and he's yeah he's a Man U fan too. Oh, so okay. I guess yeah, it's that's like, a little bit weirder. That's like even further away. I'm yeah. only an hour away from Manchester. He's right. Like, but London has like a London again has like a bunch of fucking like Man U fans. I don't know why. They're just a big team. Yeah, it happens. I mean, like here, like you know, I'm a baseball fan, so yeah. there's like New York Yankees fans and Boston Red Sox fans like fucking everywhere. Yeah, you know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. even it's, matter. It's, it's like someone's parents or something. You know. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. Like something like. 
that's how I got onto it. It was basically my brother was like the first person to hand me any form of like jersey, and it was yeah. a United jersey. So I was just like, cool. I guess yeah. that's who I sport now. Yeah, I was like, I was like a huge fan of the Charlotte Hornets like NBA team when I was a kid. The okay. only reason I was was because like I had a shirt of the team. I don't know if you know where I got it. Yeah, and it was just yeah, like a no. cool logo. I was like, okay, I like this team. And then, you know, it's, like, funny how that happens, like, for no real reason. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much it for me. Like, yeah, like, just super young, didn't know who it was, no, like, prior kind of, like, you know, uh, like, judgments towards anything. They probably didn't even like football at the time. Yeah. And then, yeah, just like, oh, cool, yeah, I guess this is it. And then I think, like, my best friend at the time supported them, too. So it's <laughs> kind of just, like, got into it together. And, yeah, yeah it's and- great, though. I do love it. Do you love a good bit of soccer ball? There you go. Yeah, we, we call it soccer. No, uh, yeah, and now as an adult, um, you can probably get stabbed for wearing that in the wrong place. So, uh, great. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so, yeah, I mean, waking up, fuck, like, waking up in the morning that early, that can't be good for your voice. No, that's kind of why I, like, almost wanted to go back to sleep so I could have, like, a little bit of rest time. Yeah. Uh, like, a little extra rest in before... But well, we're not playing for a little while now too, so I've still got a while to rest. But yeah, early early mornings are not. Well, I guess that's kind of also the, the you know the the upside to me always waking up late is that I get to rest my voice. But the real reason is just because I'm a fucking terrible sleeper and I'm usually up till six a.m. myself anyway. Yeah. So no, like every I'm always the last one to bed, like on you know on tour on the bus, like always. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know what it is. And I've talked to I other singers, and, and I, don't I don't know. I think it must, yeah, I think it's kind of like maybe, again, like being a singer, I think a lot of a lot of singers tend to be quite introverted, despite the fact that they're quite extroverted as well, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, because we, I think as a, as a lyricist, you have to be pretty introverted. If I know some, some vocalists don't necessarily write their, their lyrics, some, some other members in the band might write them for them, but... That usually means that if you know if you're introverted and and all that sort of thing, you're usually thinking a lot. So being up that late, kind of last one to bed, I think is suits the 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 vocalist stereotype, you know. Yeah, always thinking kind of thing. Definitely. So you write uh, you write the lyrics in your band like 100. percent Yeah, pretty much. I've written like 99.9 percent of the lyrics for Neck Deep, like bar maybe one or two lines here or there that somebody has kind of just like you know uh throwing an idea at me for right. or something like that like but yeah pretty much pretty much all of them i'd say that's probably my stronger stronger my stronger hand is my uh, my lyric oh yeah you but think that that's your that's one of your strengths that, that's interesting yeah. man because um i i'll tell you like you know you're still you guys are still a young band you're like what 22 i'm 22 yeah, yeah so it's like funny because i i mean when i was younger like your age I fucking hated mm. writing lyrics, dude, and I didn't think I was good at it. And it actually took me a long time to kind of feel like comfortable and like you know write something. And I was like, yeah, like yeah, I kind of like this. Cool. Like for me, my strength was always like writing melodies and as, okay. like as a musician, like as a you know like guitar player. So yeah. I always hated writing lyrics until like maybe the last like I don't know four or five years, I'd say. Oh, okay, no, I've always thought it's been my strong point, like as a. Even kind of as a school student and stuff, like I was, I was always like pretty bad at like maths and science and oh, yeah. stuff. Like that stuff never really like. I mean, I did okay in it, but it never really gripped me. Whereas like English and stuff was where I was like real good, and like that was 
where all my good grades came from was like English and writing and, um, and drama and things like that. Like, I don't know. I think I just had a thing for, for words, bit of a wordy, wordy guy. So yeah, the artistic um, yeah, right. side, I, I get it. I mean, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be with, uh, you know, us artists, you know, we're supposed yeah. to be all, oh yeah, man, no, just like, it's cool and like not know anything about business and yeah. just, you know, be that yeah, tortured artist. That, that yeah. is almost me. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm probably guilty for that as far as like our band goes, like when it comes to like the business side of things, like I just don't really pay much attention. Like I... I'll chip in here and there. it's more, it's more the things that I'll chip in on, on uh, if it affects the way that like, uh, how our band might come across or if it's kind of like a, almost like an imagey kind of thing. Like say it's a merch design or something. Like, right. That's when I'll pipe up. Like as far as when it comes down to like the numbers and the figures and all that shit, I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. So <laughs> you're even like somehow artistic about the business side. Like anything business, you're like it still has to. Be, it's like artistic that you care yeah. about. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your merch. Let's talk about your merch because okay. we've never met before. I've never spoken to you. It's our first time meeting, and I've always like wondered about you guys being with this like okay neck deep. Like you got the generic pop punk shirts, or like I saw one recently that's like fuck neck deep. Their shit, the shit. Yeah. you know, and then I was watching, you know, poking around the internet, watching some YouTube video, and you're like, yeah, like our shit band, you know, what, yeah, what like, is that, and and what is what is the self deprecating thing that you're that you're doing? I think it's more just like, um, I think it's a lot of like maybe a British thing, a slightly British thing, but also a case of like we we you know like i would say like we were one of the first bands of this like new generation to like get like a lot of attention really quickly and i think for that reason a lot of people kind of wrote us off didn't think we were legit thought that we were like a bunch of fucking poses or whatever and it was like well no you know things are different and like we have worked our ass off and we're at where we're at but it was always just kind of a dig at that as well. Like, oh, people people always write us off and think that we suck just because we're, we're this new band, you know, or we're this new band that uh, everyone was like this hype band or whatever. So it was kind of like that. It was kind of a little, a little dig at that. Like, oh, let's, okay, if we if we also kind of say, like, yeah, we suck, wish it, like, we don't care, then, you know, what can, what can people throw at us? Like, nothing really, so... Yeah, it was more of a. It's more of just, and as well, and as well, we're not we're not afraid to like take the piss out of ourselves. We're not. We're, right. we're real. We're not. We're not standing here acting like we're the sickest band of all time. Like we're not sitting here acting like we're this crazy, like deep, really meaningful. Like yeah, like we'll really take ourselves seriously. Kind of band. Like no, we don't take ourselves seriously. We know that like you know it's it's just pop punk. It's not. It's not the most complex and like right. you know, you know intricate um, intricate music. So whatever, like it's it's and it's almost part of like the whole um, the whole like attitude, I guess, that goes along with it is of, of just yeah, like don't take yourself seriously. Just sure. whatever, make make fun of yourself. It's fine. Like you know, and as well, I think it's just a a, a, a real thing as well. You know, if you if you can laugh at yourself, other people can kind of connects you a little bit more i guess maybe they think all oh, right okay if they can laugh at themselves they obviously don't take themselves so seriously maybe they're a little bit more approachable maybe they're a bit more down to earth kind of guys I totally guess. well i also think 
part of it is you're saying it before someone else has the chance to say it to you first. Do you know what <laughs> so I mean? That's it. Like, yeah, I think yeah, there's probably course, yeah. a little bit of a defense mechanism in there too. I don't know if you if you'll admit to that or not. Um, a little bit, yeah, probably. Like in not in like a reactory way, if you know what I mean. Not in like mm-hmm. it's not like we're reacting to things like that, but it's more just a case of like, yeah, we're aware of it. So like, haha, said it first. Like, sure, whatever. yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. But I also think that part of that probably comes from, like you said, you know, you guys having so much hype so quickly, um, people being like, who the fuck is this band, Neck Deep? What does that name even mean? You know, people right away just coming out with like, what? Who is this band? Um, yeah. You, you know, I totally understand, you know, where that's coming from. And you guys being so young and having so much success, like, I mean, we're talking about like in the first six months of your band. Yeah. Like, you know, coming, you know, putting anything out. You guys are already blowing up. Was that hard yeah. for you guys to kind of understand? Did you guys feel like like you were deserving of it? Or did you feel like you're kind of pulling the wool over people's eyes early on? I'm not sure. Like, it's, it's like, as far as I'm concerned, I, the only other musical thing that I did was I was just played acoustic and played like shitty local shows and like busked. And then, like, a bunch of the other guys in our band had always been in other bands and had toured Europe and toured the UK, and it always ended up just being shit and always losing a bunch of money. So, like, in that sense, like, I guess, like, we've experienced what it's like to, like, see that shitty side of music. Maybe not to the same extent as, like, some other people get to see it, but, like, that shit side of touring, of, like, playing to fucking nobody and you know, sleeping in a van and just being completely broke. Like, yeah, we've, like, we've experienced, I personally haven't, but there's guys in our bands that have experienced that. Yeah. And, like, um, yeah, it was kind of weird, you know, like, none of us were expecting it. It's not like we set out to be like, hey, let's just become super, like, this super huge band. It was just like, hey, let's write a couple of songs. And I don't know how or why it kind of took off so quickly, but it kind of just did. And, yeah, I guess for, like, the first year, it almost felt like we had to, like, constantly justify ourselves. Like, (laughs) yo, fucking, you know, all right, like, hey, why, you know, even though we had a lot of, a lot of fans, I think it mainly came from, like, other bands that didn't think we were legit. It was, like, more of a, like, an in, uh, like, a an inner circle kind of thing, and that it, we weren't, like, really accepted straight away, and it was kind of no. like, hmm, these guys must be... I don't know. These guys must not be legit if they've if if they've kind of had it all handed to them. But we kind of put ourselves through a lot of shit. The first like the first early stages of the band, like the first few tours we did, like were not good by any means. Like we toured with <laughs> shitty bands and played shitty shows. And yeah, well, I mean, you got to start somewhere, like, and you got to you got to you know yeah, put yourself on the like, map. You know, get yeah, yourself in front of people. We didn't skip that phase. You know, no. like, we still did did the same kind of the same shit as any other band would like. Yeah, I don't know. I think we just tried to do as best as we could with what we had. Like, we knew that, okay, people are, you know, people are paying attention right now. It's all eyes on us, but, you know. Well, it took a bit of time, too. I mean, it wasn't overnight success, like, by any means. I remember hearing about you guys because, you know, we were on Hopeless Records. um, And Eric, you know, Eric Tobin, who runs the the label, him telling me he was, you know, he signed you guys and that you guys were, you know, going to be this huge thing. And I was like, okay, like, you know, and it was like, everybody kept saying neck deep is going to be huge. Neck deep is going to be huge. And then it took a little longer, I think, 
you know, then then you guys all thought, and and it wasn't until I'd say really your second album, album, yeah, yeah, when it when people really started to be like, oh, okay, yeah, this band is is for real. About yeah, that's what I mean. Like I think, well, yeah, if you like, I feel like there was probably a lot of pressure on us at at that point as well. If you say, if you can say, um, like, but when we were writing that first record, and that first record, in my opinion, is one of it's a it's it's fine it's okay it's a it's a record you know like it's it's okay um yeah there was a lot of pressure especially writing that record because it was our first record it was like on a fucking you know it was on a label and it was all this stuff and you know everyone had such like high expectations of it and and it did well like you know what i mean like people still love songs off that record we still play songs off that record it's not like the record that we ignore you know so yeah, around about that first record time, I think it was quite a lot of pressure on us in terms of, like, we had a position to almost try and solidify. And at that point, we'd only been a band for, like, a year. And yeah. A, or maybe two maybe two years, and it was not even that long, like a year, a year and a bit, maybe approaching two years. And that was a lot to take on, you know? At that point, we'd already toured America a couple of times and, like, fucking, yeah, had, al- like, EPs and albums under our belt and, like, it was just fucked, like, it was crazy, and, like, we had to learn to get good, like, because that was one thing as well, we fucking sucked live for, like, the first two years of being in a band, like, it fuck, we were, we were bad live, like, I really had to learn how to sing, like, I had sung to myself in my bedroom, and that was fine, <laughs> and then going on tour, though, and singing every night for half an hour straight, especially when you don't know how to sing at first, is... That was a, that was like something I had to get used to. And well, what people don't then, understand is that when you go, you know, you can sing in your bedroom or your shower or whatever. And there's like kids out there that can sing pretty well, mm. and then they don't realize like when you get up there onto a stage and there's a loud ass, you know, guitar, bass, drums right yeah. behind you, and you're at like some shitty 150 cap room. Yeah, the monitors yeah, aren't you good. You can't the hear shit. anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I really like, you know, I don't think you, people you, understand how difficult it is. Yeah. And you have to like overcompensate like so much for it. And like a lot of the time, I think as well, like I still even do it now a, a little bit. Like I think over the last like year, my voice has gotten exponentially better. Like a bad day for me now would have been like my best day ever a couple of years ago. But <laughs> I like sometimes I do it now, like because we've been playing like these small like one-off shows recently, just like uh, on an off day. Like we've got one today, and um, we've been booking them and like purposely smaller rooms, uh, like no barrier, that kind of thing. And, yeah. Um, in those kind of scenarios, you get so into uh, the crowd and trying to put on a show that you almost like let technique slip away a little bit. And I feel like that fucks me up sometimes, especially if it's a show that I'm like super into. I forget like a lot of technique and just like kind of just end up like fucking my voice up. And especially if there's like a part where it's like a little bit of screaming or something, right? Or like a slightly like some slightly more aggressive parts in it, I'll just let the technique slip and just like oh, I know as soon as I do it, like oh fuck, I've I've ragged my voice a little bit there. No, I totally. I mean, take it easy for the rest of the set now. So yeah, well, I mean, you guys were you know you won the APMA award for best live band, you know, and <laughs> yeah, that 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 that's kind of fucking. I mean, that's cool. Like, yeah, thanks, thanks for giving us best live band. Appreciate it, but like, man, there's better live bands. Out well, there. There I mean, are. that's the thing. It's like it's. I'm not going to say you're not a good live band. You know, I've seen you guys. I think you guys are a good live band for sure. But for you guys to already this short in your career, like most bands, it takes. 
fucking years. Like, that's I mean, you guys I mean, are out yeah. with what? Pierce the Veil right now, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a live band. And and yeah. we toured with Pierce the Veil back in like 2007. And like, mm. they weren't good then. They they were fine. Like, don't get me wrong. They were, they were like, Vic, Vic can fucking sing. Always could. Mm. But the way they have their show together now, like, they're incredible. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and and it, is, like, it just takes time. Yeah, like, you know, like, so we've been a band for just over, like, five years now. Um, and sometimes, like, it takes a band five years to even break out and, you know, get people. Sometimes bands are playing playing music for five, six, seven years before they get any sort of recognition. I mean, True. that's a long time. but Or even maybe three, four years, you know? Like, they're playing music for a while, and they're playing shows for a while, and they're writing music for a while. It was like for us, it was literally like, oh, first EP, sick, get out on tour. Like, you know, it was kind of like thrown in, thrown in at the deep end. Like, we didn't play a local show for, a, but I think that we didn't play a local show for a little while. But I think that that benefited us because our local scene kind of needed a kick up the ass, and so it was like, hey, we're not going to play because like the promoters around here suck ass, and <laughs> yeah, and it sucks dick around here. So it'd be better if we got out and, you know. Um, What's so yeah, like instantly we were thrown into the deep end though, and it wasn't like we had a lot of practice and a lot of like build up and a lot of like honing our skills. It was just like, there you go, you've got an EP, like, how you go. So it's well, crazy. we talk about on this podcast, we we say fake it till you make it all the time, and that's a common theme that a lot okay. of bands and a lot of singers have to do because, like you said, you get thrown into the deep end and you have to learn to swim. Yeah, like, yeah, like, and I think it's it's more a case of like, yeah, the first year or two is definitely just winging it, completely <laughs> winging it, just like yeah. what the fuck, like, hey, you know, you've never really had any attention on you whatsoever, anyway, like you are just normal guy facing the crowd, everyday person. Now here's an interview for like this big magazine. This big magazine wants to interview you. Like I've never been interviewed before unless it was for a job. Like I don't know how to do this. You kind of just have to <laughs> have to realize what it is and what it is like that you need to say and like Yeah. You know, or like and and I don't know, I guess that's kind of another thing that vocalists kind of struggle with is almost like creating this persona because I feel like there's 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 um there's being a front man and there's being a vocalist, you know, and like, I don't know. I, I don't know which category I'd fall into because I don't feel like I have like this crazy extroverted personality. Like, I don't know, like say like an Ollie Sykes would have, like, I'm not that kind of guy. Like I'm not the kind of guy who's going to go and fucking smash a load of drugs and like create this big fucking scene and like have this huge, like allure to me as this, as a, like a personality, I guess right. that's just how I am, you know? Um, but then Ollie Sykes but, is kind of introverted when he's not on stage, too. You know, yeah, he's kind of like, like a subdued kind of guy, too, you know? Yeah. So, so it, it's, it, you know, it, it is interesting, man, that whole that whole dynamic of you, when you're on stage, you're expected to be this this extroverted, crazy guy. And then mm. if you do that when you're not on stage, you're an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's trying to find that that balance between like. Like, I don't know, dude, like, my thing, at least, or at least my, like, I don't know, if I had a thing, if I had to say it was a thing, was that, like, I don't, I am a bit of a fucking introvert, like, I don't go crazy on social media, I don't go, like, you know, I don't go asking for a bunch of shit, I don't go, like, I, I do kind of keep myself to myself, and I think it's, maybe that's part of my thing, is maybe just being a little bit mysterious, I guess, right. like, being the, being the more subdued, 
kind of vocalist guy, like, who, who doesn't want all this attention. But then I don't know if that's to my detriment or not, because everyone expects the front guy, like, the front man to have all of the fucking attention and, like, to want all of the attention and to control all of the attention, but... I don't think that's me. I don't really want to control. Well, it's really changed, man. Like the way that that stuff is perceived, you know, like nowadays with, like you said, social media, everybody's got a Twitter account, you know, people at any time of day can post a picture of themselves hanging out, whatever, doing something like, you know, back in the eighties or the nineties, even for that matter, like all those huge bands, they were all mysterious. They all had mysterious personalities. People, Mm. there was so much misinformation about like, you know, oh, you know, Kurt Cobain's this way, or Axl Rose is this done this crazy yeah. shit. But there was no like humanizing them, you know. Yeah, Whereas it now was... it's like someone, some singer in a band, like posts a picture of him like walking in the park with his daughter, and you're like, oh, he's like just like a normal guy. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's yeah, that's that's definitely something that I've had to kind of like come to terms with is like not that I want to be seen as this like mysterious like. Ooh, crazy! Like he's, you know, this real different, deep guy. It's just like I don't really want the fucking world knowing every little detail about my life, which I feel like, I'll, like some people maybe do a little bit too much. And they go yeah. a little bit. Like social media is great. Like, don't get me wrong. I have a Twitter account. I have an Instagram account, and you know, whatever. But I don't want everybody knowing little every intricate detail of my fucking life. And and I look back at people like, uh, at, well, just look back at like the the pre uh, social media era and it was like the only times you would get to see glimpses of your favorite bands would be from like interviews or you know like tour documentaries or things like that yeah. and it gave them this kind of like this aura about them that was like Absolutely. yeah this special like character that i you know and then when you go to see them live seeing them live in person like oh my god that this happens at every show i go to every every show that i go to that's like a big kind of like legendary band and i think everyone does it everyone looks at the stage and goes holy fuck that's dave grohl right right there you know i mean oh holy shit that's like the red hot chili peppers like right there like 100 meters away from me or something like that and it was that allure in the first place that made me like fall in love with bands like blink like but then again, I think Blink did it slightly differently. I think Blink were halfway between the era of like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, like Nirvana and stuff. And, and absolutely and because this era, they because they still put out like tons of tour documentaries and they were still really active in promoting their own personalities. Absolutely, and, you know, like they put their personalities out there big time. So absolutely, and Green Day too was like that too. They, those those yeah. two bands for sure. Um, you know, but there are still some instances, you know, of today's bands. Like the one in, uh, guy I can think of is like. Jesse Lacey of Brand New, who okay. is still very mysterious. Like I don't know if he has social media. He might. I don't. You know, they're such Wouldn't a mysterious band. Yeah. You know, and no one really knows kind of what they're up to or what they're thinking. And I think mm. that that gives them a certain allure and a certain coolness. Um, mm. You know, with they're the band that can basically do no wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I don't know if it's. I don't know if that's what I've been intentionally going for. I think it was more just a case of like I don't really want people to know like everything about me you know I mean like I don't want people like I post about like me and my girlfriend every now and again but I don't really like writing songs about our current relationship 
at least too in depth because I don't want people to know what my relationship is like. You know what I mean? I don't want right. people to know like what's going on in my life. I just want to be someone that writes music and uh, and plays shows, and that's and that's pretty much it. So like, when you write lyrics, that, when you write lyrics, oh, are, are you trying to be vague sometimes because there's some fear of of Maybe somebody figuring you out? Is that ever come into your head now that you know, like, literally millions of people are going to hear these songs? Uh, I don't know if it's, like, trying to be vague. I don't think it's trying to be vague. But I know that there's a line when writing lyrics that it's, like, that's too real. Like, that's too much. That's, like, too... It's too literal. It's too real. Mm-hmm. It's too, yeah, so sometimes, I don't know if it's like trying to not be too vague, but sometimes I think like if you're being super literal and super like, this is what happened, or like this is, or, you know, or, like this is exactly how it is, it can sometimes sound like a bit cheesy, a bit corny, but like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's a bit cheap to me. I feel like if you, you know, uh, having that poetic license and being able to, you know, um, uh, kind of put things into metaphors or whatever. Like, I feel like that just makes a better lyricist kind of thing. Like, I totally a lot get of, it. I mean, but like, but then again, some of the best the best lyricists are like really literal. It, it depends on style. Like, truly, it is down to style. And I think my like my like um, like lyrical style is is a little is a little bit of a mix. But I would say generally tends to be. Yeah, not so literal, not so like, yeah, this is how it is. No, there's, you're right. And there's some guys that can pull it off. Like, you know, yeah. when I think of one of the greatest lyricists ever is like Morrissey. And, you mm, know, like, super literal. Yeah, so, super like, like, the one thing can, I read about him once. make a song out of a 30 second scene, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, he has, and he has no fear, you know. He'll yeah, say, he'll, he'll use vocabulary and words and stuff that, like, I just don't think I could pull off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I read Mar- Morrissey lyrics sometimes to time and just think, like, how do you fucking think of this? Even, like, but his melodies are super weird, too. Like, that was the thing. Like, as a, as a youngster, like, a little bit younger, maybe, like, a teen, uh, like, an early teenager, a lot of my friends listened to, like, the Smiths, and they mm-hmm. were all big indie heads and really loved indie. And uh, Morrissey and the Smiths weren't catchy enough for me back then. Right. I don't know why. It wasn't, it didn't get me. His melodies weren't catchy enough they were always sometimes a bit a bit too weird uh but then as i kind of got a bit more mature and started like seeing the world for you know through through uh slightly more experienced eyes that i kind of was like oh okay like i i get right. what morrissey's kind of talking about here or like um you just you know as you get older you your views on things change and your taste changes a little bit here and there. And yeah. So when I was kind of like in my later teens, I guess I started seeing like, Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Morrissey's Morrissey's sick, but it was, it was more his lyrical content yeah. that, that got me just like, yeah. How do you talk? How do you talk about that shit? <laughs> like how, how do you, how do you work that into a song? And, but that's inspiring. And like another, Absolutely. another lyricist that I, who again baffles my mind and is almost on the other end of the scale as well as sometimes you don't have a fucking clue what he's talking about is um anthony kiedis from the chili peppers like right what the fuck are his lyrics like yeah, some, there's a lot like, of babbling drug references i think yeah that's that's kind of <laughs> yeah that's i've i've read up on it uh recently because like um well me and my girl are just huge chili peppers fans and we'd be singing along and she would sing a different lyric to me and I'd be like, no, it says this. And she'd be like, no, it says this. And I'm like, no, it says this. So we'd look up the lyrics and then be like, 
oh, okay, so it does say that, but what the fuck does this mean? And then, yeah, they tend to just be drug references or songs about his ex-girlfriends, mostly. Yeah. But he does it in such a way that is, yeah, like, really almost hard to decode sometimes. Like, um, well, he's, yeah, and the so, guy's definitely... Flip-flop going into, a, going into like, a, into a bridge is sick, just yelling flip-flop. Sick. <laughs> if, you can, if you can get away with doing that, that's sick. <laughs> Yeah, well, he, that guy's seen some shit, so, you know, I think that helps, but, um, yeah. well, you talk about, yeah, you talk about, you know, your early life a little bit. Can we jump back? Because um, I don't know how much you've done podcasts. You know, having a okay. nice long format is great to kind of, you know, for people to listen to and kind of understand, you know, what makes you yeah. tick. And um, so I know you grew up in Wales. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Wales had kind of a crazy music scene back you yeah. know, when you were younger. And I'm, yeah. I'm kind of wondering um, if you were aware of that music scene and if it inspired you at all and just how you kind of got into punk rock. Yeah, very, very aware of it. When I was, well, my, my, my roots, uh, I have my older brothers to like fully thank for everything, you know, like I put it in perspective for a lot of people. Sometimes people try and grill me on my musical, uh, knowledge, my musical knowledge. Yeah, and is, I'm this, like, is this Seb you're talking about? Uh, Seb, so I have two brothers. Yep. Um, so Seb is my, is my older brother, but he's only older than me by like two years, two, three years. Yep. And we were always really close. He's like genuinely one of my best friends, but then I have, and then there's like quite a big age gap between Seb and my older brother who was like the, the wise man who would like show me and Seb all this cool music and would be like, Hey, listen to green day. Hey, I've got green hair and I listen to bad religion and I skate right. and I, and it's like, it was just this older influence that kind of, yeah, who, who kind of just pointed us in the right direction. So like he was huge into, uh, into grunge and punk and his favorite bands were like Pearl Jam and bad religion. And he always had fucking green, crazy hair and he was always <laughs> skating and he was always going to shows and just this huge punk. And, um, yeah, like me and my brother just, like never questioned it we're always just like yeah he's cool like we love our brother like he shows us cool stuff he he takes us skateboarding like he shows us good music and so you know you know like when people grill me on my musical knowledge i'm like let me put it in perspective i was fucking like seven years old when take off your pants and jacket came off most people <laughs> were like oh i was like 16 17 you know i had i was in the peak of my like musical discovery phase i was like i was young dude like so sometimes people try and grill me on that, that shit, and I'm out, like, actually. how old? I was in college when that record came out. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> I was way younger. I was way, way younger, and I was just I was just heavily influenced by by my brothers. So, yeah. So but, what, what, what uh, yeah. was the transition from, you know, being thinking your brother was cool, skateboarding, to, like, actually being like, hey, I'm going to pick up a guitar, I'm going to, like, you know, start, um, start a band? that was when see this is where seb becomes an influence to me now is like when i saw seb joining bands and shit that's when i started going oh sick like band world you know what i mean like ooh, like going to shows with seb and like seeing seb play shows and like seeing how a show goes and like uh seeing what band practice is like and like even my first experience of like i remember when seb came back from recording like an ep with him and i was like what was it what's recording like like what's that like you know what i mean that's when it so he was probably about 13 14 15 ish like just teenager 
uh, and I was maybe like 11, 12, and then th- like into my teens. So like that preteen, like in the UK at least, like just starting high school, yeah. uh, that's when I was kind of like, oh, cool, like I'm going to maybe pick up a guitar or, you know, I'm going to start going to shows more regularly. And, you know, that's when I started making friends who were um, – who were into the similar sort of music as me in school. I didn't really have anyone who was who liked the same sort of music as me. Um, yeah, it was just a small town and everyone was just kind of into like hip hop or like shit chart music really. So it was me and like a couple of other guys in school who were into, into blink and that was pretty much it really. Uh, yeah, so no. all of my musical, like my musical side of things were shared with my brother and probably most, mostly his friends, I would say actually. So, I just got sent awesome new wireless earbuds from Raycon. I opened the box, opened up my phone, and literally in less than a minute, I was jamming out to my favorite tunes. What struck me right away was how well these fit and then how amazing they sound. Definitely more bass than my other wireless headphones. But the biggest game changer is the price. The E25 earbuds they sent me start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market, have six hours of playtime, and really are super comfortable, whether it's music, conference calls, or binging this podcast. And there's no dangling wires or stems to distract other people if you're on a video call. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Mike Tyson, and Melissa Etheridge are just a few people obsessed with Raycons. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're listening to, not the other distractions from the room. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds, but before you drop hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out wireless earbuds from Raycon. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash LSS. That's B U Y R A Y C O N dot com slash LSS for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buy Raycon.com slash LSS. If you're in tech, you've been there before. Feeling the pain of hiring a freelancer or new employee for designer development only to find out months later that it's not a fit. And those types of mistakes aren't cheap. Instead, Mutual Mobile, a digital technology consultancy, uses the process it's developed over the past 10 years, delivering over 600 client projects to ensure your fast and beautiful mobile or web app is finished on time and within budget. Mutual Mobile has built apps for numerous companies that have been acquired, such as Eero, acquired by Amazon, FlexDrive, acquired by Lyft, and Map My Fitness, acquired by Under Armour. You get a dedicated team to help you with your tech project from start to finish, from ideation to product shipment to maintenance and everywhere in between. Mutual Mobile designs and builds beautiful mobile and web apps that increase the value of your business. If you have design or development needs, schedule a free 30-minute consultation at mutualmobile.link slash LSS to get started. That's M-U-T-U-A-L-M-O-B-I-L-E dot L-I-N-K slash L-S-S to get started with your free consultation today. Right. Well, I mean, with the local scene, I mean, I mean in Wales, you know, the, the bands that were big at the time, like I think of... 
you know, Funeral for a Friend. Yeah. I think of it Lost Profits. I think of yeah. The Blackout. They're all Welsh yeah, bands, were, right? Yeah, they were the three. They, I'd say they were the three uh, big ones that kind of broke out. Um, like, yeah, that was huge. I remember Lost Profits, like Shinobi versus Dragon Ninja coming out when I was like super, super young. I remember like um, having this sticker at a local skate park and like trying to get this sticker to the top of this huge ramp. Like, fuck, I've got to get that up there. But like, yeah. I hope you didn't get it. it. I, I hope you didn't remember. get it. I hope that Lost Profits sticker isn't up there anymore. Uh, no, you know, I, I think that skate, <laughs> that skate park isn't there anymore. Oh, but I remember well, perfect. This is when it was fine to like Lost Profits. Yeah, this is when it was a good thing to like Lost Profits. But, uh, yeah, I didn't want to yeah. mention them, but like, you know, anymore, they were, yeah, yeah. They were a, an important band back then, yeah. They were. For, for a minute, they were. And um, yeah, and but you know, that was, everyone was fully aware of it and was fully onto those bands. And like, especially like bands like Funeral, because Funeral, I feel like maybe came a little bit after Lost Profits, more around the time of the blackout. Uh, but Funeral were great. Like Funeral broke out in the US, which is, you know, yeah. to an extent, which is, which is something that you don't really hear about. And people sometimes I think forget nowadays that like, yeah, Funeral fully made it out here and like did tour, did plenty of touring out here. And, um, yeah, but that was really important to like the Welsh scene. I would say, I would say like a lot of people's favorite band for a long time was Funeral. You can ask so many people, and they'll say Funeral's my favorite band. Um, and yeah, it did inspire, and that that sound almost that that Funeral kind of like raw, half like post-hardcore emo-y, but also kind of like punky and rocky kind of like i don't know it's a strange kind of kind of kind of sound coming out of the uk at that time there's also a band yeah. at the time coming out of the uk called hundred reasons who okay. were like this weird like indie rock but kind of punky band like it was it it seemed like these bands always had like a few genres in there is and yeah it's great though like that era of uk music was really sick like obviously the uk has always been huge uh, musical export place. I think that's why you know uh, if we didn't have some of the music that we've we've brought out in the past couple of decades, and people would write the UK off. But as far as music goes and exporting, like yeah, like no, I think UK I mean like per capita, I think the UK probably has the most successful bands. I don't know. I don't know yeah, if so that's I mean, a statistic how, how or not, small, but I think I read something. Right, like, it's crazy. Yeah, right. like, it is it's totally crazy, crazy how many good bands come out from from how small we are. But yeah, um, bands like Funeral. I'm trying to think who else would have been it. Like at the time as well. Like uh, maybe like a little bit after Funeral. After that, I would say like maybe Enter Shikari for a while. And, like Bring Me the Horizon. Like when they were first starting out, they were influential bands. Like probably almost getting on ten years now. Like yeah. for about 10 years ago maybe they were influential bands because they were the young hype bands of that time you know and Shikari had like two EPs out or something like that and everyone they would be selling out venues across the UK uh, same with Bring Me like um, and yeah it's always been this good steady progression and and at that time like our local music scene was great because we had Bring Me coming through we had Ender Shikari coming through we had uh, a bunch of heavy bands coming through we had I think you guys might have even rolled through a, a, a couple of times. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, through Wrexham Central Station. Absolutely, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh fuck, we had a big fest one year that was called uh, Taste of Chaos, and it was like Suicide Silence, Bring Me the Horizon, uh, some obscure like 
death and grindcore bands. Like, but that was sick. And I think like for some reason it died out where we were from for a little bit. Like, uh, I think the promoter started. Uh, like he, I think he fell out with the venue he worked at, okay. and like maybe moved on to. I think he started promoting in the town over, and right. Just slowly, the music scene started dying. Like a lot of the bands that were starting just didn't do anything and just didn't want to be bands anymore. Well, that's what you said. You said you know that your local scene was shit, and that you didn't really, you didn't really see a need, you know, to to be a local band at that time. And you know, now nowadays, you you know, you said you you've played more stuff locally in Wales and stuff. But um, so so that was that kind of the motivation that and seeing other bands break out overseas and stuff that you you were like you know uh, we can so. do this. Yeah, I think well, we never thought that we would break out overseas. Like that was a complete like left field. Like didn't have no idea that would happen. But like yeah, it was definitely like the not playing local shows. I think was definitely kind of a fuck you to the to the to the dying music scene like the well, the music scene that had kind of let itself die like yeah almost like a well you know like you're not supporting us anymore like if we played local shows what the fuck you know you're gonna probably i don't know it'd be it'd be shit they probably fuck us over they probably make us play some terrible terrible support slots and you know this is the kind of promoter that would make my brother go and sell tickets Right uh, for the shows, I would play be like, shit. Oh, yeah. yeah, and maybe give him and literally pay him like five pounds, pay the band five pounds after playing like a shitty support slow, uh, support show. Like, pff, yeah, that sucked. Oh, I remember my brother played a show with um, this Scottish band called Flood of Red, who are fucking sick. I love Flood of Red and uh, the old, you know, um, Confide. Yeah, you remember the band Confide? Yep. You know Ross Kenyon. Uh, he was in a band called Penknife Love Life. They pulled out, and Flood of Red still played, and my brother's band supported. And I remember like it was going to be like the sickest show ever, like Penknife Love Life, Flood of Red, and like ten people showed up, and it was uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he had to sell tickets for that, and his band, his band literally got paid one pound each. <laughs> so well yeah. you can get a 99p uh greg sandwich so that's great yeah that was perfect. literally what it was yeah yeah perfect so. man uh well i mean you guys have obviously like you know come a long way from the local scene days and um you know you're on tour with pierce the veil now what like was kind of struck me about you guys is not only did you guys get this sort of you know very like a lot of hype early on and a lot of success early on but also kind of a lot of love from sort of some big names, um, you know, I mean, you know, you guys having Mark Hoppus, uh, yeah, uh, Chris Caraba, both doing features. Yeah, the, the Mark Hoppus thing still um, fucking blows my and, mind. And then, you know, Jeremy from A Day to Remember producing your, your record. Like, how did this all come about? And, and were you guys just like, you know, going back to the, you know, fuck neck deep, their shit mate, you know, kind of thing? Like, were you surprised that you guys these people were really taking you like kind of under their wing. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Like the way that like the Mark thing happened was basically we found out that he liked us and he kind of tweeted about us a few times and then we were just cheeky as fuck. And we're basically like, Hey, we know you like us. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like kind of pestered him almost like annoying little fucking kids. Just like, Hey Mark, like, you know, and we played that one show with them uh in in london and like we got to meet him then and i think like he genuinely he genuinely likes us i think mark does like so sure but i think it was just the case of us like yeah being being kind of like 
cheeky little kids almost like because there's someone at our label who who is like pretty good friends with them like hangs out with them on a, on a fairly regular basis and we were like constantly asking her like hey has mark said anything about us recently <laughs> like hey like can you like, can you say hi to mark for us and just like kind of and i think like he was just kind of like when we asked him to sing on, on like there's so many parts on that record though that i was like fuck i can hear mark's voice on this like I, it would be perfect like it would yeah. just be so perfect like even though like we weren't like looking for guest spots like it wasn't like we were trying to get people for guest spots but because it was mark hoppers we were like oh god it just would it would just be perfect sure. um the whole like december two having two people on december was was actually like almost like a, that idea kind of came from label like, right, because hey, you guys have just so both. people know that that don't know, you had an acoustic version with which Chris Caraba did a feature on, and then an, a rock version which had Mark Hoppus, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And there's two separate videos, but they kind of like lead on to each other, and yeah. it's this whole story and shit. And like, yeah, great idea. Like, worked well. Kind of confusing, personally. I think it's kind of confusing, but I think it worked well, and kids like really locked up. I think it's so, a cool idea. But yeah. it was kind of a label idea. Um, yeah, I was surprised that Chris Caraba wanted to do it as well. Like he was, again, when, like I said before, like, uh, playing like acoustic shows and acoustic music, like Dashboard Confessional. Him, Dashboard and City and Color, like that was like all I listened to for probably good two good two years, <laughs> good wow, two years man. straight. I was, I was big into my uh, into my like uh, acoustic-y, kind of folky shit. Um, and yeah, like Dashboard was a huge influence. And sure. even back in the day, like Dashboard was a huge influence as well. Like my brother was, I remember my brother like real deep into his emo phase, like real <laughs> big on the my like MySpace times. Like, um, yeah, constantly uh, it was it was Dashboard. Dashboard was, you know, he was the he was the songbird for that for that uh, for that little period of time, I think, and really did like kind of capture a capture kind of an. Um, a, I mean, kind of captured like not the vibe of a scene like almost captured like an attitude kind of thing you know that sad boy kind of attitude <laughs> and it worked really well so absolutely uh, yeah on that song it was great and with jeremy uh mckinnon uh you know vocalist of a data member obviously how did you get in touch with him and and uh andrew wade and you guys made the last record with him are you going to work with them again uh. Well, for for once, it wasn't us pestering someone. So they, like, he actually like came to us and was like, "Well, basically, we were meant to just be doing the record with just with just Andrew Wade." Like, yeah. And he kind of hijacked it and was like, "Because him and Wade are best friends," and so he was just like, "I'm working on this now too. Like, I don't care. I'm doing it." Like, like so when Phil went to meet with Wade, um in florida jeremy was there and was like you have to let me do this like please like i'm so stoked i know i can do something good with it like and you know we'd met a few other people here and there and we were kind of feeling it out like who did we want to produce the record and we just got the best vibes off jeremy in terms of like absolutely like enthusiasm and like i feel like he was the right person to kind of handle what we were doing at, at, at that stage in our career like um he knows what it's like to come from, you know, a, being a small band to being this huge band. You know, the progression of that band has, has been something that I guess, like, any band could look up to, especially any young band can look up to. Like, you know, uh, their trajectory was, was 
was crazy. But they also yep. worked hard for what they had, so he knows what it's about, and he's written, you know, Days to Remember have got a fair few releases. I think they're on album four or five now, and so he's sure. he's written albums before, you know, so we, we trusted him with it, and yeah, he 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 was stoked on. He was he came to us. He was like super stoked on us. So that was that was refreshing, you know. And that was always a good thing to to have someone so like keen to work with us and not just us be like chasing people up and it maybe be like, oh yeah, you're just another job to me, right. so I'll do it. But yeah. like Jeremy gave like he gave a fuck. So. Yeah, he doesn't produce records all the time. He's you know no. so so it totally makes sense. And do you think you're gonna go back to uh, Andrew and Jeremy? Um, it's up in the air at the minute. We are currently at that point in deciding what we're going right. to do with this next record we're kind of like what yeah what do we do um i personally like loved working with wade and and jeremy and like i don't know like you said jeremy doesn't produce records all the time i think jeremy whether jeremy would do a third record i don't even know because he's he, you know he's put his stamp somewhere and i don't think he's the type to like just uh kind of force himself on things and be like well i did the last record so i must have to do this one i think he was pretty happy with with the last one but i think it i think wade's like wade is up there wade we're sticking with wade as like uh at the minute i think we, we, we want to go back to wade you think he'll be involved yeah yeah at Absolutely. the minute we think like we, we we should go we should go back to wade we're kind of looking around and seeing what's going on but wade is Wade is a genius. Yeah, he yeah. he is a fucking genius. He works awesome. so hard, man. And as a songwriter, producer, engineer, um, mixer, yeah, ridiculously talented. So awesome. It would make yeah, it'd be stupid not to. I think, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Very cool. Um, yeah, I got to ask you about an incident the other night uh, in Grand Rapids. I heard a girl ran on stage and tried to kiss you. So, uh, it wasn't a girl. That was a that was a fully grown. Oh, it was a dude. Female woman. Yeah. Oh, was, it was a female. Uh, oh, okay. It was a fully yeah, grown female. Yeah, it was woman. a okay. woman. Like, yeah, she. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like the more the, the, the fact she tried to like kiss me. I mean, that is annoying in itself. Like, that is fucking annoying if someone would try to just kiss me. But it was more the fact that she like grabbed my face and oh, like, yeah. to, like pull me in and like. It was just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's why I said to her, just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, are you? Why are you here? Why are you here if that's what you think is like an acceptable thing to do? Like, just come up, grab my face, and try to kiss me. How do you know that? Like, I don't want to kiss you. You might want to kiss me, but I don't <laughs> want to kiss you. Like, yeah, that is like, you know, what I mean, technically, when it comes down to it, that is like some kind of sexual harassment surely like yeah sexual assault i mean you know i mean sure but technically technically, that's what it is get the fuck out of my grill like how would you like it if uh if a dude came up to you and grabbed your face in public and tried to kiss you you'd be freaked out like don't do it to me plus as well you're like a grown woman i'm sure you you she looked like some she could be someone's mom it looked like she might have taken her kids to show like what so you like, think? Well, I mean, so you think that? you think she should have known better? I guess is what you're saying. Oh, absolutely, yeah, right. absolutely. Like, yeah, and it was just kind of like why, like it, it, and again, like it coming back to the whole trying to trying to kind of be a bit low key and like keep myself to myself so that people right is is a lot of it is so that shit like that doesn't happen is so that people don't <laughs> try and like idolize me and try and like you know put me on a pedestal and think that I'm this 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 thing that they can just idolize and worship and like 
therefore they can do whatever they want and it justifies their weird behavior because it's in their eyes celebrity you know what i mean and celebrity is this weird commodity that society now has is like celebrities are celebrities they are fit there to be ogled at there to be kind of swooned over there to be you know they're almost these pieces of meat that we can just like kind of focus all of our desire and attention on i don't want to fucking be that like i don't want to be a fucking celebrity i don't want to be uh i don't want to be like ogled that and i don't want to be like i I would like to be looked up to for what i do for what for the art that i create and for the words that i put out for the message that i i put across but not just because of you know oh i'm doing a band like fucking sick like so fucking cool like fucking <laughs> like when people come up to me and say like oh like people that i knew like people from back home are like oh you're famous now i'm like no 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 i'm not I'm like <laughs> i'm not famous like please don't don't tar me with that brush like i don't know and i'm just trying to escape that and i think that like that shit that happened the other night i think that's a that's a product of yeah that that fame almost like that like yeah being put out there and people kind of putting you on a pedestal it just but for some reason it makes people think that they can do whatever they want and that people are just going to be fine with it like oh i can go and kiss that guy he's going to be fine with it because he's in a band and it must happen to him all the time like well actually no it fucking doesn't happen to me all the time and i don't like it when you do that so please fucking don't do it well i appreciate that you're honest and that you're saying what you mean because it's happened to me numerous times over the last you know 15 years where girls come up and kiss me on stage and i always play it off like it's okay and it's like oh it's cute or it's funny and I don't know why I do that because I don't feel that way. Like, I feel like that's not cool and I don't want you to kiss me. But for some reason, it's like this weird performer in me that wants to be cool and doesn't want to make it like a big yeah, deal. You I know, feel, so yeah. I, I respect that you are like, you know what? Fuck off. Yeah, I feel like it can be it can be difficult to. Yeah, especially like especially if it was like a. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the reason I reacted so much to this one as well, though, is because it was like a woman and like a grown woman. It's like, you should fucking know better. If it was a girl, I would have just moved my head out of the way and just ignored it and just kind of like carried on. But this time I was like, yo, like actually what the fuck are you doing? Like fucking respect the fact that I'm a person and not a piece of meat. Like give me some of my fucking personal space. Like don't just grab my face and think that you can kiss me. Like if it was like, you know, if, if it, and I don't think she was a genuine fan either. I think that she was probably just a drunk mom at the show. Like, if it was a genuine <laughs> oh fan, I wouldn't want to, like, piss off a genuine fan, you know what I mean? Like, if okay. they were a genuine fan of the band, I wouldn't want to be like, oh, here, I'm just about to embarrass you in front of 500 people. Like, I wouldn't want to do that. But right. it was like, um, yeah, and I think I've tried to put that out, like, a bunch, though, of just like, hey, please respect the fact that I don't want to be some fucking dumbass cock star celebrity. Like, and I think people are starting to respect that now, at least with like, with me, like I know that people, most people wouldn't just assume that they can do that and get, and like, and that I'll think it's cool. Like I'm not fucking Ronnie Radke. Like I'm not fucking in asking Alexandria. Like I'm not a rock star. Like, please don't assume that I am one. And therefore that I can just take and handle and do whatever the fuck I want. Like, nah. I'm a pretty like 
I'm pretty down to earth guy. Like I have a girlfriend. I fucking I'm from a very small town. Like I still speak to my family and my friends every day. Like I'm not fucking doing drugs and getting drunk every night and being a fuckhead. Like yeah, yeah. I just don't. I just don't want that. I don't know. I don't want that. I feel like that's just the quickest way to burn yourself out. So. Well, hey, I I agree with you, and it's it's good that you guys are are still are young, but you still get it, and that you. Uh, I think you guys have a long career ahead of you and uh, many great Thank records. You, so it's Thank great, you, dude. It's so good to talk to you. Um, thanks for taking the time. I know it's morning. I know you got a show. You got a show tonight. Uh, yeah, we're at the Emerson Theater in oh Indianapolis. In Indianapolis. Oh yeah. boy, that's a shithole. Really good. Cool. <laughs> Sick. No, that's a that's a terrible venue, but it'll be I'm sure Ooh. it'll be packed out and it'll be crazy. So Yeah, yeah. Most of them have, which is good. Like it's good to go back to the roots and do these shows. So Absolutely. Except when there's no barricade and women can just come uh slurp Apart you. From that, yeah. 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 If you're if you're if you're an elder woman or a slightly older woman listening to the podcast, just because there isn't a barrier doesn't mean that you can get on stage and kiss somebody ten years younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, so you're not into the older women, I guess. Um, not older women <laughs> like that, no. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, hey, man, thank you again so much. Um, yeah, anything else to add? Anything else you want to plug? Um, nah, we're, we're, you know, after this tour, we're kind of laying low. We're going to be writing some new music. So, you know, if after this tour, uh, we dip off the radar for a minute, we haven't. We haven't died. We're not dead. We're not giving up. We're we're working on some new shit. So nice. Just be patient with us after this. And um, yeah. But other than that, just like if anyone's uh, if anyone's listening and is a big fan, just thank you for listening and supporting and believing in us because couldn't do it without you. So there you go. Hell yeah. Well, you're 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 a very sweet guy. Uh, one thank one last you. thing before I let you go. We always play music on this show. Um, so I'd love to play a neck deep song. Uh, okay. What one should we play for the people? Uh, my, one of my personal favorites off the record and one that I've really been enjoying playing live recently is I Hope This Comes Back to Haunt You. And what's, uh, what's this song about? Um, the song is about, um, it's kind of, it's, it's a bit, it's it's got a dynamic to the song. It starts off like real slow. It's, it's quite a building, you know, it starts off just one single guitar, just this little, like this little pick, little, uh, this little pick ditty and then it breaks into like this really rhythmic kind of bouncy chorus and yep. um it's really but uh, as far as lyrics go it's it's a typical girl song it's a, it's a song about a girl <laughs> you know sometimes sometimes that's all the song needs to be about and um yeah, Hell yeah. it's just about a girl it's about hey, a girl man. but then the ending is all about it gives you this nice perspective on on life you know afterwards you know um it's got this real positive, big, almost crowdy ending. Cool. And, um, yeah, if you're going through a shitty time, I think the end will help you out and hopefully you can relate. Uh, but I just think it's a cool song. Perfect. So. Well, hey, I've written lots of songs about girls, so I totally back it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here it is, man. Uh, All right. I hope this comes back to haunt you by Neck Deep on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thanks again, Oops. Ben, so much. Yeah, dude. no worries. All the best. Thank you, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, dude. I sat inside with a heavy heart Just wish you would think of me Are you listening? Ran round in circles till after dark Didn't get very far Wasn't meant to be I never thought it would be this hard It feels like you walked through 
I hope this comes back to haunt you I hope this comes back to haunt you And maybe you would know just how it felt to be like me Surely mine to see